0: Oh, lock the windows. Close your doors, folks. It's the UtaCast. We're on the way. (laughs) Nah, I'm just playing with you. Welcome back, folks. It's the UtaCast, episode 273. And this week, uh, returning GFOP, back for the first time in over two years, the Observer dispatches Ben Burnell, who was on the scene uh, for this week's March for Justice in Utica. We also talked a bit about the restarts that are going on in sports uh, and sort of the concept of whether sticking to sports is still viable in 2020. Uh, also this week, we're going to get into, uh, again, the March for Justice in Utica that happened and everything that's been going on. We'll also talk about the fires, uh, wildfires going on in Oregon and California. Uh, we'll talk about history lessons. We got some uh, done with this, guys. I got a new segment for you this week. Uh, all of this, folks, and so, so much more. As always, we are happy to have you here on the Uticacast once again. Oh, Yes. Yeah.
1: Five. <laughs> Me too, man. It was, you know, it's tough. You know, we we like to joke. We have a good mm-hmm. time on this show we and like all that joke. stuff. But you know, this week it just feels it feels tough to laugh and joke. I mean, so many things taken away from us over the weekend. New Shopping Center gone. Wow. Raised uh, to the gods. The ground. odd is gone. Uh, every hotel in North Utica is gone. Uh, handshake City is a pond. A pond. I mean, just an impact crater. Lake Never seen like it. Sunk the whole city. The ocean. Just, man, all the doom and destruction really, really came for us, uh, you know. Cuomo, I can't believe Cuomo drove those buses himself. It's insane. From Rochester. They replaced every tomato pie in the city with a garbage plate. Um, <laughs> Utica is no more. It's it's just, with a heavy heart, you know, we come to you because we we knew... Garbage plate We got knew me. how real the threat was. Gar- garbage plate got me. Garbage, <laughs> plate, <laughs> gar- gar- garbage plate got me. Garbage plate pretty good. Another tweet I was <laughs> workshopping <laughs> while this was going on over the weekend. I was like, I can't believe King Homo's driving buses full of people to replace the tomato pie with the oh, garbage plates man. from Rochester. Uh, I know. Speaking of garbage plates, shout out to all y'all on oh, the Facebook. Man.
0: Oh, man. What a time. I was so what a tempted. time. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, I I was so... is, this,
1: is it too much?
0: <laughs> no, I, and look, I, I guess that's... The question that we're going to have to answer as we discuss this mm. a little bit, right? Like, it did feel really easy to, like, make this a dunk fest. Right? We, t- we talked about this off the we air. We did talk about... Well, you
1: you said to me... You told me before we came on the air, we were going over some stuff for the show this week. You were like, yeah, you know, I had to give some thought to how hard we want to dunk all over people for being idiots with this thing. And I explained to you that I'm out here to try to score 81 points. Um, I've got no qualms. <laughs> with this because man oh man what a what a microcosm of so many um so many issues so so i'll leave it up to you then uh
0: i did have some quick stuff we were going to start with today that's what we want to hear leave it up to me okay (laughs) i I did have some quick things i wanted to get into today that didn't have to do with this yeah yeah we want to do those first and get them out of the way or should we dig right in while we're here
1: um, let, well, let's, let's do the things. Okay, let's you want do to do the, the things? things? Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, this is the Udicast episode 273. Joining us this week, um, Ben Brunell, back after a two-year absence. He was last on on July 2nd, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice to talk to him. Uh, ben sort of got called out of his comfort zone this week mm. uh, to cover... He's a sports reporter for the Observer Dispatch. Right, right. Uh, but he was called out to uh, to be at the protest this week, so you may have read his article in the OD Today about it. Mm-hmm. So we talked a bit about the atmosphere that he felt on there, what his impressions were. Uh, we talked a little bit, obviously, about some of the things that you and I are going to talk about in a moment about social media. Uh, but we also talked a lot about uh, the sports restarts and... What's been going on nationally with COVID and how the leagues have been handling it, and what our thoughts are. And it's a really nice interview. I had a really good time talking to Ben. Really did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's not as sports heavy as last week's. I promise.
1: It's a lot more. It's <laughs> yes. a
0: lot more. Um, Which
1: I'm surprised because I know the sports bug is hitting the oh, the Unicast God, end run. of the Maiden Utica family pretty hard.
0: <sighs> so, yeah. So we went to the casino yesterday for the first time ever. Uh, by we, me and Justin. Not, Justin. We. Not, you not we. i we. Uh,
1: uh, I drove to. the Although casino. I did get talked into throwing some money on the bet, so <laughs> it's fun to have a little money on I it. I bet I, I, I placed a twenty dollar bet once every five years. <laughs> Yesterday I did it. Hey, I thought it was a good deal. It was a for sure. We had five people in on this bet. It was a hundred
0: dollars. We mm-hmm. lost, by the way. Uh, and twenty we, a guy. Twenty a guy. So it's real, it's real, five hundred dollars. Real low ball bets here, right? right this right. is this is barely worth driving up there for. Uh, but mm.
1: had we won, I figured, yeah, because you know what it was. I took my twenty bucks that I made, my Soros bucks that I made <laughs> over the weekend. Um, and so I was like, "Well, yeah. let's just bet them, yeah."
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, gambling's been around. We lost, uh, but now <laughs> it seems like it's might be something that we're gonna have to deal with a little more regularly. There might mm. be some sort of. I've heard rumors of potential gambling-based content that I'm kind of fifty-fifty on. Uh, uh, but
1: it's we'll see. it's it's always an interesting place when you can look at at various at uh, various people or persons you might know and be like, "Oh, well, at least they're getting into gambling now. This is good. I'd, <laughs> read, I'd rather they go this way." Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> the lesser of many evils. Uh, the other one this week, my other
0: uh, odd quick note, I got into a uh, a deep dive on YouTube. Kev, you were there for it. Mm. Uh, into one of my favorite phobias that I think I have but don't really have. Mm. It's a phobia I'm fascinated with, and it is. Submechanophobia. This is what people on Twitter.
1: I put this on Twitter. We're calling, we're calling this segment. We're doing this every week. Now this is the Sam learned a word segment. Same <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, that uh, might be me. Submechanophobia is a fear of man-made objects mm-hmm. that are submerged underwater. So any kind of like if you're seeing the bottom of like an oil rig or like a shipwreck or like the bottom of a large boat or any yeah. kind of thing like that, then yeah, okay, it's different than thalassophobia. which is just general, general fear of the deep, fear of deep dark water. Like yeah, you don't yeah. you don't care for that. Uh, now, here's the thing. So, okay, yeah, so it's, like, a, basically a subgrouping of thalassophobia, A subgrouping basically. of thalassophobia.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got caught up watching a couple videos about it. I just find the imagery, I think I, it's not that I'm afraid of any of these things. I don't have a material. You don't spend much time in the ocean, either. Don't spend a lot of time in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. All I think, though, is when I see the underwater photo of the mm. giant metal legs of the oil rig going deep into the water, then you can't see them anymore. Mm. All I can think to myself is, if I were in the water... Mm-hmm. This would suck. I would hate this a lot. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same thing as having this photo. I wouldn't probably lose my shit. You would probably be uncomfortable
1: if you were there, though. Especially, (laughs) imagine if it was something unexpected, right? That's true. Like, say we did, say we took like a a Maiden Utica trip to like somewhere wild where you could go like scuba diving for a day, Mm -hmm. right? And they had like Mm -hmm. a, you know, you go out on a scuba diving thing, you go down there and they didn't tell you if there's like an old. World War II plane sunk uh, underneath there, and you get under there and you see this plane, you would have to come up and be reassured. I think it's... <laughs> come I up and think, like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I think what it is that gets me about the
0: water stuff is yeah. that you wouldn't see it until it was started to get close, and then it would start to appear in front of you, Yes, and your brain would start to imagine what this could potentially be. Yeah, yeah, anything emerging yeah. from the
1: dark, emerging yeah. from the murk, any of that kind of stuff, that makes sense. Don't care for that. No. Uh, my other
0: side, quick note this week, is, I, we're not going to go through this whole list because it will take us too long, but I found the weirdest list I had ever seen in my life this week about movies. It was, okay, the best action movie from each year in the 2000s ranked. So essentially they picked the best action movie of every single year of the 2000s. The last 20 years. And then ranked those in order of which of those was the best. Oh, nice. Right? So we'll, I'll fly through. Number 10 was The Transporter 2 from 2005. Mm. Number 9 was Fast and the Furious from 2001. Uh... You know, Crank High Voltage 2009, sure, why not? I never saw a lot. Damn, of heavy, heavy statham on this list. Uh, Casino Royale 2006 was number seven. I'm mm-hmm. fine. Uh, Shoot 'em up 2007, whatever. Bro, I've S- never seen any movies. Spider Man, yeah. Spider Man <laughs> 2, yeah. 2 like. 2004. Oh, I saw that one. I saw that one. Born Identity 2002, never seen a Born movie. Kill Bill Volume 1, 2003. Never this seen is the any. top three. Uh, number two was The Dark Knight. 2008. I, I think I caught The Dark Knight.
1: I think I have seen The Dark Knight. Now, this is
0: the part of the list that I want to talk to you about. Oh! We've talked about this before, about this movie and how much we like this movie. Yes. And what a seminal movie it is for you and I, and we've watched it a million times. For sure. So I was surprised to see this at number two. I had half a, Of all the movies that were on this list, I was like, well, Dark Knight's going to be number one.
2: Mm. Right? But it was not
0: number one. Well. So I was kind of surprised at the movie that was number one, and I wanted to bring it up to you if you had seen it, or if you knew anything about it. Can you give me the year? 2000. 2000. I'll tell you what, it's a foreign movie.
1: Oh, um is it Crouching Tiger Dragon? It is not. It is 2000's Battle Royale.
0: The hell is that? Battle Royale is a Japanese film that was sort of the precursor to the Hunger Games style movies. It was the it was about a group oh, okay. of like high school kids who were forced by a totalitarian government to fight to their death until one person survived. Mm-hmm. And the movie, I've never seen it before. I've heard people talk about it, but with the sudden rise in popularity, and again, not to make this video game corner, but with the mm. battle royale video games like your Fortnights, and a lot of people are connecting that to like early movies like this in the Hunger Games. That makes sense. And I was curious if you ever seen this movie, Battle Royale. I haven't. I don't think I've heard
1: of it, to be honest with you.
0: Well, good for you. It's on Amazon Prime. So I might watch it later if oh, you're interested. Oh, well, there you go. So there you go. That's my quick note for action movies today. If anyone's seen Battle Royale, let me know. All right. I guess we need to get into the the real heavy news for the week, right? The stuff we talked about. And mm-hmm. how do you want to start talking? Should I go all the way back to how everything started here? Did we talk about Officer Felito last
1: week? Um, Or would we have missed it when we talked maybe, about it? Maybe. I think we would have missed it. I would say, I mean, so we have a lot of listeners who are in the local <laughs> and regional area, at least who have social media connections. So people still have that. But I guess like a quick recap, because I know definitely for the you know, the listeners who aren't from around here and don't really know what's going on. Uh, here, locally, there are a bunch of... Oh man. I I'm trying to be like polite.
0: Yeah. Well do you want me to start fr- you want me to frame <laughs> yeah, this out? Yeah, okay, you please frame me. So about four days this kinder is... than I am with your words. Um, so earlier this week there was an incident uh in which he, a Utica police officer, Officer Matthew Folito, was suspended without pay, uh, because of some extracurricular activity he was doing after the arrest
1: uh of Kerwin Taylor. And by that we mean he stomped <laughs> on a man's head multiple times when the man was handcuffed. That is correct. That yeah. is what happened. Yeah, um yeah. Now, make sure we're calling that like it is.
0: Yes, uh, body camera footage from the UPD came out, uh, and Officer mm-hmm. Folito was suspended without pay. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen the body cam footage, but essentially, you've seen it. Oh, but yeah. The, it's one of the officers also it tells his fellow officers tells him to stop doing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, was the was the march for justice in Utica a direct response to this, or was this already planned before this happened? Direct response. Direct
1: response. Yeah. But when they planned it, they had not already suspended Officer Felito? They had. They had suspended him without pay, and the city had made a recommendation they would like to make a firing um, because of the nature of police unions and the collective bargaining agreement they have. well, the city would still like to see um, this bad cop fired, they have to go through the process with the union and collective bargaining. They can't just unilaterally do it contractually. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, there's a lot of problems with police unions that need to be reformed, but the way that it stands right now, they can't just do that. They did suspend him without pay, and the city has been very, very clear that they would like to see this person no longer be an officer mm-hmm. for the Utica Police Department. So the March for Justice was planned for
0: Saturday mm-hmm. at 3 p.m., starting at Oneida, uh, Oneida Square and making yep. its way to the Utica oh, Police March Department. March down
1: of the Police Department at 3.30
0: uh, now, this is where the story starts to take a different turn, right? Is this when the mysterious Craig's a- Craigslist advertisement makes its sort that, of appearance? That,
1: coupled with a few, uh, fresh, anonymous Facebook accounts with no pictures, no links saying wild stuff, yes. Yeah. Now, you saw, you you saw the Craigslist ad before I did. I did. Uh, I know from
0: some of our idiot friends growing up how easy it is to post fake Craigslist ads for Products that and don't exist want. for and anything there's, you there's want. There's no
1: regulation. Yeah, yeah. You can post something you want um, to list. You look at the ad, and you obviously are like this doesn't feel right looking at it. I mean, not even this doesn't feel right, but this is so obviously not a real thing. Yeah. yeah. D- didn't Yeah. Well, here's because here's here's what it gets into for me, and not to not to step all over if we're if mm, we no, building a construction about this, Mm-mm. but. The notion of like, I think the conversation about well, does this ad feel like it, it might be real, or it's better to be safe than sorry, or oh, well, I don't really know, I'm just asking questions. I think that's the wrong conversation. I think the the real issue that I see here, and the real the real thing of concern that underlines something I'm always talking, I'm always talking to, you, I'm going on ad nauseum about. Um, being uh, intellectually rigorous and using critical thinking with, mm-hmm. with everything you can do. The fact, I think the real problem here is the fact that anybody looked at this and they're like, oh, this might be a real thing that's happening here because the unspoken, of, the unspoken second part of that is because this is happening other places. Yeah. And I think this is the teachable moment for people in this area is for people to stop and be like, okay, wait a minute, why was this bait so easy for you to yeah. take? What do you maybe if you took this bait and maybe if you kind of showed your ass on this, maybe this is a spot for you to stop and look at other things you're hearing and wonder if this yeah. is the only bait that you took. Mm-hmm. Because if you took this one so easily and so quickly that I, I mean, I saw mm-hmm. so many people irresponsibly sharing stuff. And believe me, it's not lost on me that the majority of the people I saw being wildly irresponsible on Facebook were people that live in Sylvan Beach and Camden yep. and Rome. Specific shout-out to Sylvan Beach. You know who you are if you're listening. Sylvan Beach and Camden and Rome and Whitesboro and New Hartford and all this stuff. It's all these hmm. people like, oh, I'm ready to defend it if they ever come to Tayberg, bro. I fucking promise you nobody's coming no to Tayburg. You know uh, what I mean? Like, that's never going to happen. But that's the real concern is that people saw this and, like, the, even to, I, to entertain the notion in your head that this is, like, a real thing and that... that I, People really, 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 I hope they take this time to sit back and they think about lessons they might have learned about critical thinking, properly vetting your sources of information, and not believing everything you read on the internet because it's irresponsible. You can just be like, oh, well, I'm just spreading this all just in case. I don't think it's going to happen. We're just being careful. No, no, no. That's dangerous, and you're spreading misinformation, and you should be called out and lampooned for that. And it can be good-natured because I have good friends who did this. I'm not going to let it skate. I'm not going to be a dick. I'll break the balls about it. That's what you do when you're friends with somebody. But, yeah. like, we're not letting this wild stuff skate. What I was stunned about,
0: not stunned, actually. I don't know why I say stunned because I'm not stunned at all by it, was how many people I saw, whether on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Facebook. Facebook primarily. Yeah. Uh, who would who were posting stuff early in the morning. And then, as news comes out, like, you know, mm-hmm. KGB the news organizations, release statements. The UPD statements. Yeah, the UPD the statements. Uh, and I never saw anybody on there ever really be like, oh, I guess I was wrong. It was still this sort of mental gymnastics, acrobatic juggling to mm-hmm. justify, well, I still feel okay about doing this. I right?
1: I a mutual, a mutual uh, former, I guess, good acquaintance and now barely an acquaintance. You not sure. remember the name. I'm not going to say it. We'll talk about it off the air. But of there's course. A, there's a really specific, there's some really specific examples of people doing that and doing the walk back and doing the this and the that. <laughs> I get it, I can imagine being there If if you are that and that way But man, yeah, people It's crazy too because I saw so many people posting Being like, you know, this is confirmed I've talked to this or that These hotels are full and like these hotels aren't full, you know And I mean? People are saying stuff, they're like, I saw people sharing, like, no, there's rioting going on at the odd right now, this is real, or people have been like, they boarded up the shopping center, they're definitely coming, I saw things boarded up, that's mm. proof, that's not proof, that's proof that people are scared, people bit the bait, you know what yeah. I mean? That's all that's proof of. There is someone I will shout out on, on social media, though, and mm. that's uh, GFOP Rick Short. Dude, absolutely, I was yeah. going to say it next, G- we didn't get to it uh, I saw a couple people with some really nice, concise posts, Shout out to um, underrated good friend of live music in the city, Joe Finelli, too, Mm -hmm. who also had a great post. But yeah, Rick, I thought Rick Short was tremendous. Absolutely. And um, Rick Short is, also shout out to Rick Short for being a guy who made me... Think twice and bite back on some of the really snarky yeah. bullshit that I wanted Absolutely. to post. That's you a really right? good point. Actually, he was a guy yeah. who I read because I wanted to get on there and and treat <laughs> Facebook like Twitter. Yeah. Um, I think I was even somewhat restrained <laughs> on Twitter to be fair, uh, uh, but like I wanted to get on there and treat it like that. And I read Rick's post. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? This is the way. These for these people who bit this in order to bite this bait, in order to to believe this and and propagate this, shows me that that you must be so scared. If you're one of these people. And I understand it because the news every night is packaging this mm-hmm. fear to you. And they're telling you that cities that you've never been to are burning. Cities where you don't know anybody who lives there are burning. And they're telling you all this different wild stuff. And they're, they're really highlighting this violence. And the fact that these people are so fearful as if this was a reality, this this you know Orwellian 1984 bullshit, is that's the real problem. And you're mm-hmm. not going to help any of those friends, family, and acquaintances mm-hmm. who are living in so much fear by being a condescending dickhead to them. And so I thank Rick Short for reminding me of that yeah. with his post and doing great work on Facebook and, you know. I also want to shout out quickly uh, Utica Common Councilman Delvin
0: Moody, GFOP, mm-hmm. another GFOP, who was really, sure. really good on fa- social media with, like, shooting mm-hmm. down a lot of stuff because I know a lot of people were reaching out to him. Yeah, yeah. And the Utica Abolitionists who uh, followed mm-hmm. us on Twitter, who, if you want to come on and chat us up, I'd love to have someone come mm-hmm. chat us up. So, anytime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought their responses were really good as well. Um... I talked about this a little bit with with Ben during our interview, so I won't I won't step on too much. I am I think the thing that we really I really hope we take away is how easy this was to do for people. Mm-hmm. Like I that's the part of this mm-hmm. that just really sticks in my brain.
1: Well, that should be the very concerning part. Yeah, because just... it go it goes to show that that very 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 likely. There's more wild shit to come that more people mm. will continue to take the bait on.
0: Did you find it interesting not just that, specifically for the local mm.
1: area, but like at large? Did you find it interesting that Utica Police Department had a had a healthy response to this, whereas like New Hartford Police Department has said nothing. New, Har- <laughs> New Hartford Police Department specifically went out of their way to say that they would not that they would not debunk this or they would not deverify this. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. I. I well, I'm, what was the question? Am I, Does this? Oh, surprise does it surprise you, you at all? Or, like, no, I, no. This isn't. Yeah. I mean. New Hartford, yo, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to say that too mm-hmm. loudly, but, every, sure. but everybody knows the difference mm-hmm. between Utica and New Hartford. Um, I will say for for as many different problems as, you know, as for different things that people get towards the police reform in this country and different things that UPD has done. You know, UPD is no angel. they got plenty of things going oh, on. Oh, for sure. Day. But comparatively to a lot of other police departments, I am happy to see the UPD being proactive. Now, cynically, you can say they were proactive because they wanted to get out in front of it for PR reasons. There's definitely a healthy chunk of that for sure. But I I would commend them for getting out in front of it and trying to be a leadership role. You know, I think there's a lot of things that happen in Utica, not just with this issue, but there's a lot of things that happen in Utica Mm -hmm. where Utica can be an example of leadership for other communities regionally and around. And I hope the police continue to be that way. You know, the way to the way to assuage this violence that, that may be happening or anything that might be happening at protests or this real friction is to have these folks come together and have the police march in solidarity. And it, it's really encouraging. Those cops on the tape are like, hey, man, no, yeah. we're not going to do this. Really and I've, I've talked to a couple friends I have who are Utica police officers just to kind of take their temperature about what it's mm-hmm. like in the department right now and what's going on. And the overwhelming thing I've heard from most people, uh, especially amongst the, the younger cops, people a little closer to our age. Yeah. Is that the, and these are people that are personal friends of mine, so they have no reason to glad hand me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like people that'll, that'll shoot it to me pretty straight. Um, that a lot of the pervasive feeling with these guys right now is, is hey, listen, man, you're my partner and I've got your back 100%, but if you're doing some ill shit, I can't be a party to this because I just can't. And I'm going to have to say something. And that's really encouraging because that's the, the yeah. way forward for police departments across the country. So, you know, yeah. always, always, always proud. Well, I always proud no matter what kind of wild stuff happens around here you know I'm proud and I I believe that the, the amount of good people outweighs the amount of bad people always and I'll end on this uh, the obviously real definitely not doctored Craigslist advertisement
0: does say that they were looking for protesters through the 16th which is technically tomorrow so are we gonna have oh! to, so are we gonna have oh, to go folks the tape <laughs> machines are rolling we gotta go <laughs> so are we gonna have to come back here and say that we were wrong when
1: the protesters come in tonight and ravage our street <laughs> When they come, I uh, You know what? I, I shout out uh, any of you folks who got any of our listeners who got Boston from Rochester and who are here to do damage. Uh, please come do it on Leslie Ave. Don't. don't I want do you that. to tear this street up, top to bottom, because then they would have to come pave it. They would have to come. come have p- to come <laughs> pave it. So we're a little side street. We don't get a lot of traffic, so we're not towards the top mm. of the list of, of the the mayor's paving plans. Um. So yeah, come come tear it down, tear it down. Oh man! Actually, no double check the renter's insurance before. (laughs) it's a good point. Don't do that. Uh,
0: All right, so let's let's get into the Doomsday Report, because I have two Doomsday Reports this week, and we can decide which of these is more disconcerting. Uh, The first one, I mean, this one's really been horrifying. Have you been paying any attention to what's been going on in California and Oregon with these wildfires? You know, this comes up once in a while where we, we... We've talked about this in the past, some of the apocalyptic footage we've seen in the past, but this is something far beyond... What I feel like we've seen in the past. This is
1: in America. I mean, this is this is what Australia looked like last year. Yeah. Um, and I
0: I've read a lot about the air quality stuff. Is really horrifying. Yeah. Like that's yeah, yeah. really.
1: I mean. If... Oh, go ahead.
0: Do you have i
1: a... uh, I've got I've got two things. Um, I think isn't it funny how we had been hearing a bunch of stuff about how Portland was burning for the last like six to eight weeks, and now that Portland is actually literally burning. The federal government has nothing to say about it. Mm, yeah. How curious! <laughs> uh, but also to the the absolute brain dead, lame ring garbage, trash, take. wow, catches on fire every year. They have wildfires out there every year. You're so garbage. stupid. If you say that, uh-huh. you just please just don't reproduce at hey, the very least. I don't know if this is favor. true. So I feel. Have you heard the story that this started from a gender reveal party? A couple of these fires started. Two, from a ge- there that's... were two separate gender reveal parties. Yeah, but they did like a little fire boy, thing. boy. As if, listen, as if gender reveal parties they weren't, weren't the worst thing anyway, like the worst, most like strange narcissistic thing there is anyway. Uh, we have a little bit of Trump stuff to cover
0: Imagine today. Imagine growing
1: up to be that baby. Oh my God. Like back in the day when you could live on the West Coast, yeah. we were having a gender reveal party.
0: Before the for you before the great, <laughs> before the great earthquake and fires dropped
1: California into the sea. Tell you what, you better hope we have universal uh, health care for that kids therapy about it.
0: Uh, um, so uh, they're both uh, both Joe Biden and uh, Donald Trump had separate responses to this uh, this mm. week. Uh, in a speech in Williams and Delaware on Monday, Biden emphasized the wildfire's connection to human-made climate change and pitched his plan to invest in green infrastructure. Uh, Trump, who has denied climate change exists and downplayed its impact, will be attending and delivering remarks more about recognizing the California National Guard. So he's going that way with Mm -hmm. his response. Um, I think you'll, this will directly tie into what happens though. Like if Biden wins, you could hopefully see more of an effort to recommit to like climate stuff.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I would hope so. Yeah, buddy.
0: Uh, but with Trump already, he's already made it show that he's just going to do like fossil fuel stuff and Mm -hmm. whatever. So. Yeah, I don't know if this is directly directly involved, but it
1: feels like it does. It feels like it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's everything, man. Everything. It's. I'm. I try to not be somebody prone to hyperbole. You've been my friend for a long time. Yes, I, just I say have. That's fair. I try not to yes. be prone to it's hyperbolic true. statements. Everything is on the line in November. Every single mm-hmm. thing that we hold dear as Americans and our our identity as a country we've held for two hundred and some odd years is on the line in November. And I say that with as little hyperbole as possible. And I, I wish I had a different. Conclusion to give you, but is what it is.
0: Uh, the other doomsday report I had this week, which I don't really know what we're going to say about, uh, this is from NBC News Russia, China, and Iran have all launched cyber attacks on both presidential campaigns, Microsoft told us earlier this week. Mm. So, yeah, nice cyber attack action going on as well as the firestorm. Mm. So, firestorm and cyber attacks at the same time.
1: Mm. Nice little doomsday report. I'm certainly more concerned about the real fire. I am more concerned about the real fire. <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't, again, I didn't want to do too much Trump stuff this week. That's great. Uh, But I felt we did need to briefly discuss the Bob Woodward uh, interview that happened earlier this week. In an interview earlier this week, uh, which apparently has been coming on tape now, uh, President Trump admitted... In
1: in an interview in February. In February. Yeah, Bob Woodward sat with Donald Trump to write his most recent book about him, where he got 18 hours of interviews with Trump and various people of his administration to write his new book that just came out, which I believe is Fear. It's either Fear or Rage. It's called Rage. Fear was the other Bob Woodward book he put out. If you don't know who Bob Woodward is, it's about as unimpeachable as it gets. Uh, Check the resume. You know, that's all I can tell you if you don't know who Bob Woodward is. Uh, So, during this, uh, the audio recordings have Trump saying that he always uh, wanted to
0: play down the response to the COVID Mm -hmm. pandemic. He still likes playing it down because he does not want to create a panic. Now, none of this is surprising to me. This all seems right along the board for something Trump would say and Trump would do. I've asked you this question. Even Trump knows who Bob Woodward is. Mm -hmm. Did he think he was going to go in here with the journalist from Watergate and... Out Fox Bob Woodward like in an yes. interview like outboxing yes.
1: verbally yes oh how man mu- I mean, how much how much interaction oh, have you had man. with people that suffer from narcissistic personality disorder in your life? that's textbook the people a, a guy like him thinks that he can they, this self-inflated sense and this is a guy who's always surrounded by yes men hmm. so many people he's ever around are people who tell him you're the greatest and they reinforce this belief that he's the smartest most charming yes narcissistically this guy thinks he can sit down charm Bob Woodward out of it. I mean, it's de- it's narcissistic delusion, but that's pretty textbook as far as, you know, narcissistic personalities like that go, if let to play out to old age like this.
0: Uh, in typical fashion, the White House also butchered its handling of this statement. Uh, Press Secretary Kaylee McKenney, I always screw her name up, mm. the, that one, everyone knows. She came out and said that this is not the case and that Trump did not do this, to which Trump firmly came back out and said, nope, no, no I, I said this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> perhaps I did say it. So again, their messaging, even from the inside, is mm-hmm. is botchy and falling all over itself. So again, you just wonder if this does anything. Does this do anything? Like no. even last week with the suckers and losers thing, did this really change anything in terms of, that one? Probably I've has seen. A, I've
1: seen some interesting swing state polling on and uh, military polling on some stuff this is doing in the margins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully for the for a lot of people, I think are pretty pretty well made up. I had a conversation with somebody near and dear to me who's been involved in politics for, you know, most of her 50, 60 years, you know, yeah. doing it and throughout life and everything. Um, and so I'm talking about a lot of those old talking talking points from old days was like, well, we've got to win moderates and independents. I feel like more than any other year, there's a lot less independents undecideds this year than there have ever yeah. been. At this point, I think a lot of people have made up their mind um, on, on which way they're going. So you would like to get some people in the margins of the swing states because at the end of the day, you know any national poll you look at, don't even bother looking at; it's a ridiculous waste of your time. Mm-hmm. The polls in five states matter. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So
0: uh, here's a story I guess we can talk about for a moment. Uh, TikTok, they're going to get purchased by somebody, but it's not going to be Microsoft; it's going to be Oracle mm-hmm. after Microsoft loses their bid. Kevin, help me out here. They're still going to steal all your stuff, right? Like you're still gonna have all your info. Even though, I mean, just like yeah, yeah. Just like
1: everybody else does. But uh, interesting, specifically that um, Oracle was so so friendly towards the Trump administration, and then when you know, given this bid to buy it and everything like that, just more of this weird cronyism. But yeah, yeah, of course, everybody's they're still gonna steal everything. They're gonna steal all your information. They're still regardless. gonna steal everything, and they're but that's uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, just, get, I don't get all the way into TikTok because I feel like a lot of the like a lot of the TikTok conversation yeah. has been like weirdly astroturfed recently like and then been made about different things than were any original security concerns that were in the first place so mm. I don't know uh,
0: so a lot of times I do uh, I'm done with this guy and I do have two of them this week uh, but I also have a person who I think y'all should learn more about this well I week. got some guys to be done with too <laughs> uh, and my winner this week is Naomi Osaka you familiar with Naomi Osaka
1: uh, yes, tennis, correct?
0: Yes, that is correct. Naomi Osaka is a 22-year-old tennis player who earlier this week in front of a virtually empty Arthur Ashe Stadium won the U.S. Open. Uh, during her time, uh, since she's returned to the uh, to the tennis tour, she has been wearing face masks bearing the name of uh, Trayvon Martin, Ahmaud Aubrey, other black Americans who died at the hands of police officers. I was really
1: happy to see it. Love to see it rattle those wasp cages. Get it? Wasp nest? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I love it. It's pretty, pretty good. Uh, she went down 1-6 one, uh, one
0: in her first round before storming back to win her second two rounds, 6-3, to win the U.S. Open in her final round. Uh, really awesome stuff. She is essentially the next big American mm-hmm. uh, tennis star. And I'm I'm really excited that this mm-hmm. is like, she, she's popping through in the media this way mm-hmm. and that it probably does rattle some some cages out there. It's mm-hmm. good to know. So yeah, go look go look, uh, go look up Naomi Osaka if you don't already know about her. Mm-hmm. Really, really good story this week. All right. I have two people, however, this week who I'm done with. And these are also sports-related because we're getting into this week's interview with... Ooh,
2: interesting. Mine's also sports-related. Very nice. Nice You
1: want to do yours first? Do yours first. Uh, Well, mine is, to be fair, mine is a little less of I'm done with this guy than it is we're done with these guys. And Mm -hmm. by we, I do mean the Los Angeles Lakers. And by these guys... Do mean the Houston Rockets. Um, oh, we're, we're done with these guys. I told you, Rockets in five. <laughs> Not before, all oh, Lakers can't do anything but the guards, all the shooting, all the shooting, the people said, increasingly nervous to themselves. But um, the Lakers <laughs> remain supreme and win in five games and make an embarrassment. Uh, next up, LA Flippers. Let's go. Uh, so, my, I'm
0: done with this guy for the week is television personality and walking conundrum of stupidity. Skip Bayless. Oh, the skipper. Yeah, Skip Bayless earlier this week on ESPN criticized Dallas uh, Cowboys quarterback uh, Dak Prescott for speaking out about the anxiety and depression he experienced during the wildly traumatic last few months following his brother Jace's suicide. Uh, Mm -hmm. He claimed essentially that this showed his inability to be a professional quarterback at the highest level if he can't control his emotions. Uh, he has yet to really step back from this remark. Now, he is a shock jock, but this feels particularly low and shitty. Mm-hmm. So, Skip Bayless, if I wasn't already done with you, I'm done with this guy. The worst. The worst. And I do have one more uh, that I want to talk about. Uh, t- this is just a bit—I'm done with this group of people. Mm. When the NFL returned— Houston Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> when the NFL returned on Thursday, it was the Kansas City Chiefs at home playing the Houston Texans. Mm. And in a show of support, the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs stood up for the national anthem and interlocked arms, both teams joined together interlockedly during the national anthem, standing proud for the national anthem together as a team to make a statement. And the sixteen thousand five hundred Kansas City Chiefs fans in the stadium roundly booed them, mm-hmm. harshly booed them. Uh, and I and I'm actually glad to see it
1: because it Same. Va- it
0: validates because it validates drag every
1: single one of these people into the
0: light because it validates every bullshit claim mm-hmm. that this. Argument about Colin Kaepernick and kneeling for the flag was all bullshit. It was never about the flag. It was never about the military. And most people
1: who engage in critical thinking already knew that. Yeah,
0: people, we yeah. already knew that. But, but this was yeah, yeah. But this was just a real nice reminder uh, of what's really going on here. I think it's hilarious that you sixteen thousand Kansas City Chiefs fans paid money to come watch the team you support boo them. And then spend the next 20 minutes cheering them once they started throwing the football around. Mm-hmm. Shame. Shame and disgust
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the scumbag Kansas team. I'll take it City one Chiefs further. Fan. I'm done with these guys. Oh, uh, the NFL. NFL. I'm done. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, boy. Season's over. Cancel it. Whoever won <laughs> yesterday is the champion. No more. The Bills. Champion. No more. Bills. Champion. Uh,
0: all right, uh, so that's it. I didn't. Uh, we do have a little bit more sports, but again, if you haven't already seen his article in the Observer Dispatch, Dozens Protest during the March for Justice in Utica by Ben Burnell. Oh, my ben God, Burnell. Dozens. Dozens. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Ben Burnell joins us here from the Observer Dispatch. Had a really nice conversation with him about um, what the actual feeling on the ground was during the protest. We also talked about the return of sports, talked about the effect that social media has. Uh, on journalism and on sports journalism and how sports journalism has changed into becoming more political in this quote-unquote stick-to-sports environment. So a lot of really good conversation with Ben Burnell and we'll get to it right now. The audio is working. Thanks, Justin. i <laughs> Ben.
2: Oh, sorry, sorry, this. Sorry, this didn't uh, work out right away. I don't know what was wrong. I don't. Dude, I gotta tell you, I've. I feel bad for
0: the listeners of the pod. We're recording right now, so I'm just gonna go ahead and start. By the way. Uh, yep. Um. We're here with Ben Brunell of the Observer Dispatch. Ben, it's good to hear from you. It has been. You know, it's been two years since you've been on the show.
2: I actually just looked at it. Uh, the other day, and I said, oh, yeah, that was two years ago, uh, and that, that was a great time, and I'm glad you know, glad you could make space for me and have me on. I I, I enjoyed it last time and uh, looking forward to, to this time.
0: Well, I'm very glad to have you here, uh, and I hate to say this to our listeners again, uh, but I am like a week and a half, I've ordered a new computer. I've already ordered it. It's in the <laughs> mail. Uh, yeah. I just bought like a new, Ima- uh, new laptop to finally put the old one that I've done 272 other episodes of the show on. Uh, Out to pasture. (laughs) Uh, But apparently when you order a new computer now, it takes like a month, especially from Apple, for them to come. So I was like, so I'm trying to survive really hard through the last two weeks of old technology. uh, I've always
2: just like ordered computers and just, or just gone to like Best Buy or something or, you know, one of the big box stores and just kind of picked it up and said, okay, I want, you know, antivirus and stuff on there. I don't think I've, I don't think I've tried to order anything online yet, but Maybe someday soon that'll happen. Um, it's, I, uh, I didn't even know if I can
0: go in a store at the moment. I don't know what the rules about going into like a Best Buy are these That's days. It's true. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, I try to stay out of most, most places these days. It's uh, mostly, you know, uh, drive through or, you know, curbside pickup kind of deal. So I don't, uh, I try to be as cautious as possible, I guess.
0: Oh, well, at the moment, I have no car. My car is in the shop at the mm-hmm. moment. So <laughs> so for the last four days, I've been forced to do like the walking to the four places that I can get to situation, which is great. Yeah. Um, I won't get too much of them. My- I've already complained about the car a lot on the first half of the podcast. So I won't uh, <laughs> I won't go too far to that. Uh, I do have a lot uh, of stuff I want to talk about uh, with you today, Ben. Uh, sure. I, really, I saw a great tweet that you put out uh, a couple days ago, uh, in the wake of the coverage that you'd been doing uh, for the protest uh, for the March for justice that happened, and it was thanks for all my new followers. I hope you like sports tweets.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to have a little bit of fun with it because I, obviously my 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 Twitter account's more geared toward obviously sports things because that's my my main role mm-hmm. um you know at the observer dispatch um so you know, on, on Saturdays recently, I've had a, a kind of a news side shift uh, where it's not covering maybe sports things. It's more the the news things. And obviously Saturday was um, the March for Justice protest. So I was I was covering that. So I had noticed that I'd got a, a couple new followers because of that. And, you know, I w- <laughs> kind of wanted to point out that like, if they're not paying attention to what the <laughs> profile says, <laughs> this isn't going to be all news and, and, you know, kind of protest stuff. So I uh, wanted to of point that out, and then I kind of went back to uh, you know the the sportsy tweets.
0: Well, I'm um, so so I'm kind of curious, how does that sort of happen? Is this just such a story that's so like big locally that they that the OD gives it to you because you're you're, you're local or something? Or how does that happen that you get into this story
2: beat? Um, it was just something that I was uh, uh kind of assigned and asked to do, and hmm. uh, you know, try to go into it with an open mind because uh, my most of my experience in journalism is working sports and sports stories and, and stuff like that and some obviously sometimes uh you know sports and you know kind of the news side you know bleed into each other um but this was this was definitely more of a a news story and and nothing to do um with sports so definitely a different side but yeah it, uh you know it was just something where um uh, working on a saturday and and this was my assignment and so uh, went and tried to cover it as best as I could. And uh and it's probably
0: tough, you know, and we we're not gonna spend all the time talking about this, certainly. I just felt like we needed to talk a little bit about it before because I do have a lot of sports stuff I want to get into you with today. Um, but I gotta ask, this is you know, this is a story that became sort of a, a lightning rod type story all over social media yeah. and all over the news. Uh, What was your experience like when you were down at the scene, uh, when you were taking photos, what was the atmosphere like
2: for you in your experience? I would say it's pretty, was pretty peaceful. Um, Obviously I I understand, you know, the, the anger, um, you know, and the, and the the thought process that's coming from the people who are speaking out and using, you know, Oneida square and the, you know, the route they took down state street to get to the police department uh, headquarters and, you know, with their, you know, their grievances and and what they'd like to see change. And, um, you know, I I think if you look at, you know, the things that were coming out on the internet, um, you know, Friday night into Saturday morning and how, you know, it won't even go into the the wild, I guess, list of things that were kind of out there. Uh, But I guess I, I think there was maybe a thought that there might be more protesters, more people out there, um, you know, speaking out. Uh, I know, you know, one person at the the protest said they wanted to see more people. And, and to me, it was it was about 50 people. Uh, but it, the first time that I can remember that a protest has left like Oneida Square and gone to another place like police headquarters, um, you know, so. But I would say it was very pr- peaceful. Um, a lot of chanting. Um, a lot of people. You know just wanting to be heard and wanting to speak out about what they feel isn't right and want societal change and you know uh I, I think in a good way too, I think they're trying to have their message heard in a way that's you know uh you know peaceful and and you know you look at other protests around the nation and they're not you know you know I don't know who's involved. Obviously, with those protests, of course, it's a it's a really touchy conversation too. It's there's there's a lot of nuance, and it's hard to you know uh, you don't know who is involved with what, especially like going back to you know the things that were out there uh, leading into the weekend. You don't know who's behind what, and it's you know nobody you know puts a name on things. I guess on you know say a Craigslist ad. It's one of my biggest
0: gripes about the modern interaction that social media allows for people. My name is on my social media. It's really easy to too. figure out who yeah. I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if you don't like something, that's why most of the things I tweet about are uh, either promotion for the podcast or some movie or song that I'm whatever thinking about. Cause like, I'm not getting a lot of feedback on stuff that people are like, Oh, I hate steely Dan. I don't get a lot of that. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Yeah. Um, but the access to be anonymous and the access to just do things as a joke feels unsettling i thought about going off twitter in recently uh if it wasn't such a useful tool in terms of promoting the podcast i would have already yeah. gotten off <laughs> but,
2: yeah no, and i understand that too and it's uh it's just a lot of going into the weekend it, it felt very it, it was weird and i'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around yeah. you know just the the other stuff not even talking to the protest i'm glad yeah, yeah. You know, they were able to get out and and say what they needed to say and it was peaceful, um, you know, and and get their demands out there. And, you know, um, so I think that was good. It's just the the other side of it that I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around everything.
0: I always try to think about this from like the history teacher perspective. Um, And for me, I think this is a really interesting example of the power that you can have just by utilizing small things right there. I, yeah. I know people who put up fake Craigslist uh, you know, advertisements for used Christmas trees, dumb stuff. It takes two seconds, yeah. right? But it's, yeah. it's all about the ability to take these things that are so easy and so afterthought and use them in a way to manipulate the emotions of people. And that is scary on a grander yeah. scale than yeah. this one particular example. I find yeah. it to be concerning, uh, and I still think it's because we're still really at the cusp of like the addition of social media and technology into our day-to-day lives, even though it seems like it's been here forever.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, you look at, you know, New Hartford Shopping Center, I think that's the, the big example, mm. um, you know, talking to people that, you know, are associated with it and they were reacting to the Craigslist ad. Uh, I think everyone, I think everyone in the area knows that that's what, you know, they were reacting to. Oh, of I completely understand. It's their livelihood. Absolutely. Um, if someone is threatening something um, and they feel it's credible, then I, I think they have to take, you know, the appropriate steps, you know, to do something. And if nothing happens, which it hasn't, yeah. um, you know, it's no harm, no foul uh, is, I guess, the way that I kind of look at it. Um, it's better to be safe than sorry. Of course. Is the way that I guess I would go uh, put it, but, you know, going back to Craigslist, it, it'd be nice if, there was some more uh, name put to it I, I I don't know what the answer is. I just wish that there was more of a an answer
0: well that's uh, I think the problem too. Everyone wants to look at it and everything is nuanced I mean there's no there is this is all a very deeply nuanced issue, and we are in such a reactionary time um that we can't help but not see things with the nuance to it and I, it's got to be tough for you, and we'll move away from that because I have some other things unfortunately you know you're you're primarily a sports journalist, right? You love you you're a big sports guy. You love sports. Yes. So I I appreciate that you're putting more soccer stuff on your Twitter feed. I appreciate that a
2: lot. <laughs> Getting um, into I, soccer more.
0: I'm we we did a whole <laughs> 30 minutes, me and Justin, last week at the end of the podcast about soccer that I'm sure yep. none of my listeners stuck around for except me. And I listened to it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh he's real excited about Everton. My question for you is, you know, now it seems like unfortunately you know, sports journalism now becomes something different. You know, we have the return to sports in the time of COVID. It becomes this question about, you know, you have the NBA bubble and you have the NFL going all over and you have baseball who, it seemingly from the the way people have looked at it, did the worst job responding to everything. Um, So, Mike, I guess I'll start here. Which of the major sports that you've seen come back, do you feel like has handled the restart the most effectively?
2: Well, I'd say the NBA and the the NHL both with their, their <coughs> bubbles, you know, I wasn't completely sure how, you know, that bubble would, you know, kind of work, but they've seemed to, you know, figure it out and if, you know, something happens, they they've taken steps. I mean, you look at uh, the NBA, they had one guy that apparently violated whatever, you know, rules they had in place and Daniel House, you know, yeah. he's he's been suspended already, but you know, you look at it and, you know, no positive tests it seems from Um, the bubbles that's you know that's the way the leagues are reporting it so I think that that's been positive Um, you know I was concerned from the start when MLB said okay we're gonna play but we're gonna do regional games and I said I don't think we're talking enough about how they're traveling to other places oh my god true so I guess I wasn't completely surprised when there were cases you know from say Miami and I think St. Louis had some and The Mets had a couple there for a little bit, so I wasn't surprised by that. Um, You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, you don't want you know teams to get cases. You don't want athletes to get sick. You don't want other people that are with those teams to get sick. Uh, I hope the NFL, you know, is able to find a way um, to keep everyone healthy, and they don't have to you know shut down because obviously they're traveling too, Um, and it seems like they're trying to you know do it in a way that limits interaction i guess just watching you know hbo's hard knocks where they followed los angeles rams and the chargers and you know those teams looked like they were you know taking precautions and and trying to be safe but then i mean you add travel into the mix and you know you look at new york state and they've got all these different states that are on a you know a quarantine list if you go there and you have to you know quarantine for 14 days um you know so uh, i hope that everyone is you know in able to stay safe and, you know, keep the number low, if at, you know, if not at zero. And
0: I, I have a inherent sports fan uh, hypocritical nature to how I feel about it. Right. Cause I, again, I'm very much on the side of, I want to see these. I love, I love what the NBA has done. I love the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look at Europe and you look at like, you know, the Bundesliga in Germany and you're starting, and because that country handled COVID differently, you're starting to see them, weed uh, fans back into the stadiums right like yeah so i'm torn as a sports fan because i understand the, i understand what needs to be done and how hard it is to make everything safe but it does feel the games still feel strange to me yeah. in the empty it's just feel as a sports fan simply if it's selfishly if you want to call it it yeah. does feel strange to watch these games with no audience how do you feel you've responded with the fake crowd noise or the the no audiences
2: Uh, the NFL yesterday was weird. Um, Uh, very strange. Uh, you could tell with the early game, I think it was on Fox that there was some crowd noise. And at first with the bills jets game on CBS, it didn't seem as noticeable to me. And then in second half, it seemed to pick up and it's just, it, it seems like there needs to be some work done in terms of that, that, you know, fake crowd noise. I think the announcers and, um, you know, the, the production did a good job of trying to, you know, present it as normally as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're not going to have your, your crowd shots like you you know do with normal games. And um, so I think from, you know, the production standpoint, it was fine. It's just figuring out that crowd noise uh, because you can't do similar things to what like the NHL has done in their bubble or NBA has done in their bubble with the, you know, the giant screens and setting yeah. up things differently. Um, you know, I think we, we didn't even mention the MLS and, and the you know the National Women's Soccer League. They both had bubbles, and they didn't have any you know positive tests from the sound of it either. so right. I think they did a great job. Um, you know it's It's just very strange not having fans there and then to have the you know the weird kind of crowd noise. Um, cool. you know it, it would have been fun kind of if there would have been more mics um, would no on, on one. the side
0: the advertisers would never allow it. Yeah. You know, I
2: was, I was making the joke that I'm here for all the heckin swears, Yeah, Uh, you know, but I I completely understand why that's not, you know, going to happen, but it would have, it would have been funny, I guess, you know, to get that, you know, one that slips by and,
0: you know, it's, it's probably goes by your, your beat because it's not technically a sport. Uh, You know, professional wrestling never stopped when all the other sports that went, it stopped for COVID wrestling for whatever reason, because it's not technically a sport, it's a television show continued on. And as a guy who grew up, you know, I've been watching wrestling since I was eight years old. Yeah. So, you know, I, to see wrestling for the first two months in an empty arena with nobody there, it felt so strange. And now they've gone to that same digital sort of setup that you see with the, the NBA. And while it's not perfect, it does feel like I could never go back to the empty thing because the entire sport is built around, you know, making this crowd react to something. And if yeah. it's not there, you're missing almost fifty percent. I like what the UFC's done a little bit. UFC's done a really interesting thing with their sort of more intimate presentation because it's real combat. It's not yeah. guys, you know, doing leg drops on each other and such.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's the thing. I used to like like you. I I watched wrestling as a kid, and it kind of got away from it uh, in the last I don't know decade or so, but. I got back into it during this whole, what I call the surreal times. Uh, And I watched, I watched both nights of WrestleMania and I don't remember the last time I watched WrestleMania. Um, So I know what you're saying exactly. It was very weird, you know, watching that and then watching subsequent, you know, you know, WWE Raw and, you know, NXT and stuff like that and not have, you know, the fans that, you know, they're normally playing off of. And it's I just read a story that was about uh, Orange Cassidy from AEW and how his whole thing is basically playing off the crowd. And I've watched, you know, past clips and, you know, the crowd eats it up. And then you look at a guy like, you know, Adam Cole, whose whole, you know, kind of entrance is playing to the crowd. And it's a little bit different, you know, kind of watching him come in. And when the, you know, the music hits at the the point that he says, you know, points to themselves and, you know, says boom and everything, cool. it's, it's a different kind of presentation, uh, you know, seeing that compared to when there's actually like thousands of people yeah. there, um, you know, and, and it, even going back to, you know, the, you know, quote unquote normal, you know, pro sports too. It's very weird, uh, you know, not seeing those, I guess, crowd reactions and hearing the normal, like, excitement or dismay of, of something happening
0: the worst one i think for me was mlb's attempt to put the digital fans yes. in the stadiums. what yes. a swing and a miss pun intended i i hated every second of that it felt like i was in brave new world i couldn't understand it i did, did not like it at all
2: yeah i felt uh. like i was watching like a video game almost <laughs> um i i remember watching a uh you know the cubs and i think it was the cardinals just after the season started it might have been the first weekend and watching it and trying to figure out what they were doing, um, because it was like, sometimes it would be there and then sometimes it wouldn't be. Uh, and it was like, I don't need to see two guys that aren't real doing the same thing, you know, just leaning on their, you know, their arms or whatever. And uh, it, it, to me, it didn't feel like it added anything.
0: Uh, ben, I have two more relatively serious uh, sports questions for you and then some lightning round questions. Uh, before we get to that, if, uh, if folks want to follow you, they, where can folks get in touch with you if they want to reach out or follow you on any social media?
2: Uh, my Twitter for uh, the OD is OD underscore Uh B-I-R-N-E-L-L. I like to say follow me just because the D and the underscore and the B make it look like a happy face. It does. <laughs> so I, I joke that way. So, um, But, yeah, you can follow me there. Uh, my email, my work email is b uh, bburnell uh, at uticood.com. Uh, You know, obviously I'm checking that all the time. So um, you can definitely get a hold of me those two ways. You know, I'm, my direct messages are open. Um, I try to answer everyone I can if I, I see it. I know there are sometimes, you know, if you get a, a direct message from someone, it might not actually pop up and you have to go looking for it. Um, so. Uh, but I, I try to get back to everyone. Um, so those are, uh, those are the
0: two best ways I would say. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ben.
2: I have two, as I
0: mentioned, somewhat serious questions for you uh, between everything that we've seen over the last two months with the NBA restarts in terms of, you know, social justice movements that they're, you know, pushing their, you know, you know they're pushing out all of this content to, you know, make their voices. I love it. It's been really great. Uh, and then you see what's going on with the NFL and then you see, you know, some of the reaction from some of the crowds at Kansas City, but again, they've involved this in the game. Would you say that the idea of this stick to sports narrative is sort of dead, or you still feel like there's a, a, a hanging on of people who want people to just sort of live in this stick to sports world? I'm, I'm sure if you get it as a journalist as well too.
2: Uh, I definitely think there is a, a segment of people that would like it to be just stick to sports, but I don't. I think we're I think we're past that. I yeah. don't think sports. Has I don't think it's ever been just stick to sports. It's always been. I mean, you look at Muhammad Ali. Um, you know, you look yes, at past. Yeah. yeah, you look at past Olympics and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's never just been sports. I mean, you've always had athletes who have spoken out uh, about you know things that they care about. And I think now with social media and video and you know, people can just use their cell phones. I mean, you look at yeah. athletes that do that too um you know in terms of posting things and and so i i think we're past just stick to sports and you know i applaud the athletes who feel they can use their platform you know to get their message out um you know i I think it's certainly a good thing obviously you know there are societal issues and and things that can be changed and i always go back to we can we can be better um and so I think people are trying to make things better, um, you know. And there's going to be, you know, a, a certain population that doesn't like that. But I mean, I guess that's how change works, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at, you know, history away from sports. I mean, the Boston Tea Party. I mean, yeah. for example, like that. Want to change? That's you know nothing. You know, that's that's kind of how it works.
0: There is this uh, idea, again, I always go back to history teacher mentality with a lot of this stuff that like, you know, something happened and then it was better, right? The civil movement civil rights movement happened in the nineteen sixties and then that was it, racism was over. You know what I mean? People don't remember or look back to remember that during that period of time, people didn't like what Martin Luther King was doing. He was arrested twenty-nine times. Like he was not, you know, he wasn't beloved in the way that he's become a figure now. Like he was held down by society and he had to yeah. use his voice. And I think that's Again, that's, I go back to the history teacher mentality. I think if you have the ability to use your voice, to promote, to promote things you believe in, you know, I, I don't understand a reason why you wouldn't, no matter what that, how you earned that voice. Uh, my next question for you is serious, but not quite as serious. So you can, you can take a, <laughs> we can relax a little bit on this <laughs> one. Uh, yesterday, I went down to the Turning Stone Casino for the first time in my life, Okay, place a sports bet on the NFL. I did okay. not win. I got screwed mm-hmm. by the Cleveland Browns. I can't believe we took the money <laughs> line on I mean, the Cleveland Browns. Terrible, worst call of my life. Um, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, you know, obviously we see a lot of people with you know FanDuel and daily fantasy and sort of the rise of a little more casual sports gambling. Do you think this has been beneficial to sports fans? Has it been beneficial to the to sports? and do we think that this is just the beginning of sports betting in, oh, yeah. in yeah.
2: i think this is just the beginning i mean I, I certainly think it's it's helped by these casinos opening up you know sports books like turning stone and and the other casinos around here uh you know i was there uh at turning stone the day that uh, the sports betting lounge opened mm-hmm. um and i got to say it it looks nice i've, Great. I've been there yeah beautiful um you know, and and I think that kind of lends itself to have, you know, people come there and say, okay, I can sit around and watch this. Well, maybe I'll place a bet too. Um, Do I think it's helped? I don't know. I mean, we've always had betting. Betting's always been around. Like you, you look at daily conversations and people are saying, oh, I bet you can't do this or, you know, it's, you know, and maybe they're not actually putting a bet of, you know, actual monetary figure on it or something, but You know, I bet you can do this or something like that. I I think it's always been around, Um, you know, I I I don't see it going away. I found that
0: the way that sports media has sort of embraced it, like now you can even go on ESPN now and they'll show you the lines next to the game, which is something 10 years ago, ESPN would never have done because they pretended that sports gambling didn't exist, even though it most certainly did. Uh, All right. So uh, Ben, again, I want to thank you very much. I got some quick lightning round questions. For you, uh, again, these are not the same five or six questions we ask everybody because we live in the crazy times now, and I don't know what we're getting every week. Uh, ben Burnell, uh, who is your least favorite and most favorite national sports personalities?
2: Oh, um, that's a good question. <laughs> it's tough. Well, uh, I'm not overly a fan of Joe Buck. Mm. um I, I don't know I just I, it doesn't it doesn't work for me um, you're not alone I don't think uh I would say um I won't go into too much about that I think everyone yeah. you know has yeah. a has a feeling you know either way uh, on that but um you know Kevin Harlan I think Kevin Harlan. Uh, is great he you know I think part of that is because I grew up in Minnesota and he mm-hmm. was the play-by-play guy for the Timberwolves and so I yes. grew up I grew up with that. And so to hear him on a national level, I always, like, I always just enjoy hearing him. Um, you know, Vin Scully's on Twitter now and he's posting videos and stuff. And like, I think that's fantastic. Like I I love, I love listening to Vin Scully. I would listen to Vin Scully, read the the phone book, honestly, (laughs) because he's just got that great voice. Um, you know, so those are, those are the ones that I would go towards.
0: Um, Congratulations for the number one pick in the NBA draft for your Timberwolves, by the way.
2: Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I don't don't know.
0: (laughs) You you and Justin should talk about that sometime. Um, All right, give me, uh, what's one category on Jeopardy that you would dominate in if it was presented to you?
2: Well, I have a, uh, there's a, I don't know if everyone knows this, there's a Jeopardy game for the Switch, Mm -hmm. Nintendo Switch. So I have that, I've been playing that and I have I feel like I've been getting good at some of the questions on that. Okay. But I feel like sports teams or like, you know, sports organizations or, you know, anything kind of sports, I think would probably lend itself to uh, be a good category for me. I mean, I, I, there's, you know, history too, I feel like I'm okay with and I can, you know, figure it out pretty good. So uh, it's easier with the the Switch game because they give you four options and it's, pretty easy to figure out you know kind of from there you're like well that doesn't work so
0: you're a switch man i appreciate it i uh i've always been sort of tempted to buy a switch i've had a playstation 4 for a couple years now and i'm
2: i'm playing that game fall guys you seen that game people are i think i've heard of it yeah but I, yeah. Yeah, I have a ps3 so i've gone back and played nice. some of my older games like i started playing ncaa football 11 um uh, uh, like in the last couple of weeks and i
0: think you and justin would be best friends <laughs> um so who is, this is a tough question, and if you, you need a second on it, I'll go to the other one afterwards. Who is your favorite fictional villain?
2: Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm going to need a second on that one. I mean, does John, John Wick's not a – we wouldn't consider John Wick a but He's an anti-hero. Yeah. I mean, so you,
0: I, I did see on your Twitter that you did see the Ghostbusters building just recently. So if you wanted to say with Gozer the Gozerian or uh... – <laughs>
2: I mean, it, Ghostbusters had some pretty good, like, villains, like Gozer and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Slimer. I mean, Ghostbusters was, you know, I grew up with, you know, the cartoon, too, I think, even oh, yeah. before Classic. I saw the actual movie. I mean, Ghostbusters is is probably one of my favorite movies. How old are um, you?
0: Uh, 36. Oh, so you're, we're right in the same wheelhouse. This yeah. is all similar pop culture yeah. territory. Yeah. So
2: yeah, 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 for sure. I would say off the top of my head, those yeah, Ghostbusters had some pretty good villains. And I know, do want- here's one other one: the uh, the show Cobra Kai. Yep. Oh, uh, it's great. The, yeah, uh, I started watching that too. Awesome. Because it's <laughs> on Netflix now. So, you know, I'm watching Billy Zabka. You know. Oh yeah. Back as Johnny. So, if we're gonna consider him a villain, I would say he's a great villain. He's played that role, you know, very well. I, I think it changes now a little bit with Cobra yeah. Kai. He may be isn't as much of the villain.
0: You could argue that Daniel's the villain now.
2: You could, I mean, you could argue that, too, from the original one. But, <laughs> it's true. You, know, you, didn't have to, you
0: didn't have to hassle him in the bathroom. Uh, give me one... Uh, <laughs> and last but not least, give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching.
2: Well, we uh, touched on TV. Uh, mm-hmm. That was uh, Cobra Kai. I also got into... Um, the Good Doctor, and I don't know why because I'm mm-hmm. not really usually into like you know medical procedurals, but I like uh Freddie Highmore, yeah. He's um, good. and then uh, his name escapes me right now. Oh, Richard Schiff, who mm-hmm. was in uh, The West Wing, who was phenomenal yeah, in that show. I mean, that's that's something everyone should check out. Uh, but he's in The Good Doctor also, so I've been making my way through that. And my wife and I have been watching a lot of those like uh, you know, shows where they flip houses on HGTV yes. like classic um, you know hometown uh with Ben and Aaron Napier uh, who are phenomenal together mm-hmm. and then uh the show good bones uh with the, the mom and daughter uh Mina and Karen uh we've been making our way through those and you know it's funny cuz you'll sit there and you'll be like well why are they doing that with that house and so those are you know those are the TV shows um you know I've had a trouble kind of reading books I don't know in the last couple of months but I did read Um Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. Um it's about a you know small town um and a and a hockey team. And um I I try not to give away too much because I think people should really read it. And I I feel like if I say too much, it, it might give everything away. But you know, some problems develop and it's it's about the town uh figuring out how to, you know, handle things. And I would say that maybe it doesn't go the best way. Yeah. Uh but I I would say it's very well written, and I've read his previous books too. And um, you know, this was this one was very good.
0: Have you uh you watched Veep? I'm rewatching Veep right now. It's been a really it's been a really big big one for me at the moment.
2: Actually, yeah, we uh, we were getting into that one too. We made our, our way through that oh, yeah. one, and we've kind of taken a break from it. But it's I, I enjoyed it. it's pretty funny.
0: Uh, good luck to your uh, Minnesota United. I see the hat there uh, this season. Yep. Uh, I don't have an MLS team. I get yelled at all the time for this, uh, but my my current fantasy football team is Red Bull Famolaro. Uh Ben Burnell, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, again, you can follow Ben uh, on Twitter at od underscore Burnell, uh, and you can see his writing in the Observer Dispatch. Ben, thank you so much. We appreciate you, and I have to uh, – but when I end this interview, it's just going to end the recording, so I'm, it's going to be real abrupt. I'm sorry.
2: That's good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take care. You too.
0: Ben Brunel. Uh, he's a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, mm. and he's very concerned that they're going to waste their number mm. one draft pick. So I'm don't worry, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm, so you know he's a true Timberwolves yeah, fan. A true, <laughs> <a> true Timberwolves <laughs> fan. Uh, okay, let's do some history lessons here. Um, I sort of front, I sort of backloaded them. I have some fun stuff for the backloads. so we'll get through the first ones earlier. Uh, on this day, 1796, George Washington prepares his final uh, draft of his farewell address. Uh, George Washington. uh, Historians discovered that Washington dated the draft uh, of the address to concede with the nine-year anniversary of the first draft of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, This speech was actually written by Alexander Hamilton, uh, who was a former aide to George Washington during the Revolutionary War, and it was sort of written in his voice because he knew him sort of well enough. Washington was influenced by his federal co Hamilton throughout the professional relationship, much to the frustration of Republican members of the government, particularly Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. Uh, Madison also helped to pen the draft for Washington. Uh, this version was ultimately tossed aside in favor for Hamilton's. Uh, many Americans had hoped or assumed that George Washington would serve another term or that he would serve up until his death. As Washington's second term came to a close, he was in poor health, he was exhausted from years of internal squabbling, uh, and he was ready to retire back to Virginia. Um, it's this Famous speech that people talk about when they talk about our current political system. In addition to laying out his hopes for America's future, his address called for an end to partisan politics and maintained that Washington's decision not to run for a third term was in the best interests of the country. Mm. Uh, "Quote: I have contributed toward the organization and administration of the government to the best uh I'm sorry, uh, the government, the best extensions of which our very valuable judgment was capable," he admitted. Uh, desiring the shade of retirement, Washington reminded the people that his position as president was des- was designed to be temporary. Uh, he believed it was the patriotic duty to uphold the Constitution and pass on the role of the nation's top public servant to somebody else. Libtard! <laughs> what a cock! <laughs> I can't believe you didn't say it. Oh man! Uh, I don't. Well, he, you know what though? To be fair, they didn't treat him badly. When he was there, so he, he could have got a do over maybe if they treated him badly I can't, before. He, I can't, no, I what can't. they? He was treated very. He was treated very fairly. No, nope, no, nope. no, nope, nope. uh uh-uh. uh uh huh. <laughs> On this day, eighteen ninety, uh, raised and educated at Ashford in Ashford in England in her parents' comfortable home, uh, Mary Clarissa Agatha Miller, later known as Agatha Christie, was born and began writing stories. Uh, what's the Agatha Christie book that pops your head first off? You know any of them? No. Just the name. Uh, just, just the, the name, name Agatha yeah. Agatha Christie, yeah, yeah. Uh, so she, uh, weird. I didn't know a lot. She wrote uh, *Murder at the Orient Express* (1934), *Murder in Mesopotamia*, and *Death in the Nile* (1937). Uh, she was known for creating the very famous uh, detective character Hercule Poirot, who was mm. so famous uh, that when his character was killed off in his last, no- in the last novel in 1971. The character itself got a front-page obituary mm. in the New York Times. What a time to be Similar. alive!
1: I know that's definitely um, a bit of the inspiration in the book, Misery, and the notion of the character of Misery Chastain. Because I know Stephen King is a huge Agatha Christie fan. A lot of people tried to get me in an Agatha Christie when I was like a young Stephen King fan, but I think the writing was a little dated for me as like a twelve or thirteen-year-old.
0: Yeah, uh, she's actually had, in her death, uh, more than four hundred million copies of her book have been sold in more than a hundred languages. This fact feels like a it though. I also read that the Guinness Book of World Record lists her as the best-selling fiction author of all time, with her novels having sold more than two billion copies since the beginning of her thing. It seems like a lot. Mm. Uh, it doesn't sound right. I have to check that stat again.
1: No, that makes sense. I figure you're around for that long. So much like, for yeah, I don't know. I know what the word is, but lack of a better term, syndication in paperback. Um, mm. Have the hipsters brought back Agatha as a name yet? Are they naming babies Agatha?
0: No, I don't know. I don't think we've gotten that Wonder. far yet. Uh, they just made that Agatha Christie. They just made Murder in the Orient Express as a movie, and they're making Death on the Nile soon. So mm. they're like, re, she's back in the mm. in the Agatha Christie the Agatha side. So another <laughs> another four or five years, we'll yeah.
1: see little ball. Here's my little baby Agatha
2: yeah. Olive. I think okay. we're probably
0: ready for that. Um, see. On this day, 1901, President McKinley dies from infections from a gunshot wound. Uh, He died after being shot by a deranged anarchist during the Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo, New York. Uh, He'd won his first congressional seat at the age of 34 and spent 14 years in the House. Uh, After losing the seat, he served two years as a governor in Ohio. He emerged as a leading uh, candidate for Republican candidate for president, uh, aided by the support of wealthy Ohio industrialist Mark Hanna. He was controversial as a protector of big business. So here you go, starting already, big business, big business supporter. Mm -hmm. He enjoyed unprecedented wealth throughout his administration. He advocated the protective tariff as a way of shielding U.S. businesses and labor from foreign competition. And he successfully argued for using gold as the standard currency of the United States. Above all, however, McKinley's president was dominated by its foreign policy. Uh, In 1898, he was pushed pushed by Congress and the American uh, public opinion to intervene in Cuba's struggle for independence from Spanish colonial rule. The United States handily defeated Spain in just three months, freeing Cuba, although the island would become a U.S. protectorate, uh, and he annexed Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines, and this was the first time that the U.S. became what we would consider a colonist power, colonial power. Mm. Uh, the popular McKinley won a second term uh, by even greater margins than he did in his first on September 6, 1901, while standing to rece- in a receiving line at the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo, McKinley was approached by Leon Zoltzkosch, I always screw that name up, a Polish-American anarchist carrying a concealed 32 revolver and a handkerchief. Drawing the, wepo- uh, drawing the weapon, Zoltzlag shot McKinley twice at close range. One bullet deflected off a suit button, the other entered his stomach, passing through his kidneys and lodged in his back. Doctors were unable to find the bullet, and gangrene soon spread throughout the body. He died eight days later. Mm. Uh by the way, I must be like a, you know. I'm sure that happens still today. But 1901 getting shot, you I mean that's how you die, right? You die from poison. It's not like you. It's like a big lead ball in your gut for eight days. Yeah, it well, really. It, it, it,
1: there, I mean, there was not. Uh, we didn't know as much about you know infection protocol and it, containment of germs and sterilization procedures and you know a lot of um unpop you know a lot of popular antibiotics didn't exist uh, yet. So yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that a lot of people you read about that died in the 1700s, 1800s of deaths that almost seem silly in today's (laughs) day and age. Yes. Yeah, it's true. It's like
0: influenza or something like that. You get Mm -hmm. eaten by a wolverine. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: (laughs) One along those lines attacked by a Quaker.
0: Uh, On this day, 1916, uh, Douglas Haig, the commander of the British Army, launches the first use of tanks as a major offense in battle. I always think about this like the first time... It must have been... Wild! For the first time, you saw some sort of
1: what is like, that? What is this? It comes <laughs> blasting
0: over the hill, some big giant metal contraption with a gun strapped at to the top. Like, oh my mm-hmm. god! You probably still got like a like a handgun or something, like a rifle. You're like, well, you got a musket. I'm just gonna surrender. Uh, it was on this day, uh It was on this day. The British launched an offense against German forces in the Somme River region of France. Um, the tanks themselves didn't really work. They were sort of subject to mechanical breakdown, uh, but Haig was the guy who sort of saw the potential. That even though they didn't work as well in this initial battle, there was still a lot of uh, potential for this going forward. And again, I think we are we still doing tanks? tanks still a thing?
1: Yeah, of course. We still got tanks.
0: He still got tanks, I suppose. Uh, I went and found a list actually of this is from Sky History in case you weren't. These are the nine weapons that over the over the course of history have changed the world. Mm. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, the spear which dates back about 400,000 years. I appreciate, like, caveman stuff because, like, you had to build that spear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to go out there and build that. I don't know if I'd trust my craftsmanship if I had to build something to go hunt, like, a mammoth. I assume that's what I would be doing with it. I think it. that's your correct instinct. Uh, number two, the sword, which comes up during the Bronze Age. hmm I feel like if you have a sword as your weapon in today, people laugh at you, right? Yeah, you could like go a maul ninja. <laughs> maul ninja. What about the bow and arrow? That's 10,000 years ago. Oh. Bow and arrow feels Love's like and arrow. bow
1: and arrow feels like something that really like oh yeah that's... I still love to shoot a bow and arrow. Uh, I just, sometimes I spend hmm. some time with my cousins who like to hunt. Some different people I know like that. They've got like the compound bows and the will do target oh, yeah. shooting out in the land. And man, you could you could spend some time it's... just shooting a bow at some targets. It's way more intense than you give it credit for. It's a lot harder. It's a lot more like. There's a lot more like kinetic
0: energy. to Yeah, it than you yeah. Give the it credit feels for, more yeah. like you're
1: doing something yeah. instead of just like pointing something. If that makes sense.
0: Uh, number four, gunpowder. Mm. That's right. I mean, that's the one, right? Ninth century A.D. They uh, Chinese alchemists accidentally discovered gunpowder uh, while searching for the elixir of immortality. They kind of mm. went the kind of went the other way on this one, I guess. Number five, the Gatling or Maxim gun. So now you're talking about uh, multiple shots fired at the same time. You're talking about the 19th century again. Don't like to see that. Number six, the combat aircraft. This is probably scarier than the tank, right? Because now this thing is coming out of the sky. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. First time, you're Like, oh, well, they own the sky now. That's no good. Is that a flying gun? What <laughs> is that? <laughs> number seven was the tank. Number eight, the atomic bomb, which mm. I feel like the synergy changes a lot there. From airplane tank to nuclear weapon. That's a little bit mm. like two plus two equals a thousand. Yeah. Uh, we call it exponentialism. Yeah. Exponentialism. And then number nine is the drone. Ooh. The modern drone.
1: You want to hear number 10? Yeah. It's not on your list, but I'll tell you what number 10 is. Number 10, only because I heard, I read or listened to something very interesting about this this week. Uh, Number 10, antibiotics. Antibiotics. So the penicillin culture uh, was was singled out and isolated in 1941. Mm. Uh, 1941, obviously World War II in full swing, but that specific strain uh, that they had cultivated wasn't strong enough to have uh, antimicrobial properties. Maybe that was 39, and then in 41 uh british american and british guys uh took that and they regrew basically a stronger culture i'm gonna i'm gonna hand wave a lot of like mycology stuff here but made a straw a stronger penicillin culture so that it could be used for antibiotics and this was something that was exclusive to the americans the british and thus the allied armies And there's a lot of postulation. World War II, a large, large number, almost to the point of being the majority of people who died in World War II, died from infections. So not from bullets, not from bombings, but from infections, Mm -hmm. probably from wounds. Stuff just like that, where a guy gets shot in his arm, his arm gets infected, and now he dies. Mm -hmm. But because the Allies had access to penicillin and modern antibiotics, a lot of their guys didn't die where people on the other side did die because they didn't have access Mm -hmm. to that penicillin because the tech just wasn't there yet. And a lot of people who are historians look into this kind of stuff say that's probably the most underrated factor mm. to the Allies emerging victorious in World War II. And I only just learned this this week and it blew my mind and set me down a hole and now i got a bunch of other stuff I'm going to read about it. But there's number 10 on weapons of war.
0: Here's one for you. This isn't a weapon of war, but this sort of got me thinking about it. Plastic surgery as a response to um, damage that soldiers took on the battlefield mm. actually goes back to World War I. That so makes if you sense. you go all the way back to World War I, and like an easy example is for anyone who's watched Boardwalk Empire... Mm. Is the character from Mr. Harrow talks like this with yeah, the mask on yeah, yeah. his face? That's a really early example of how they were trying to <coughs> use plastic surgery to give soldiers some semblance of reality or bring back normalcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in that time. And if you go back and look at some of that early plastic surgery, it's uh it's nightmare fuel for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Big time. real scary shit. Big time. Um, and last but not least, on this day, nineteen seventy four, I shot the sheriff, hits the number one spot on the music charts. And although the song had been written and recorded previously by reggae legend Bob Marley, it was actually the Eric Clapton version
1: that ascended to the top of the charts. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. So what you're going to tell me right now, you want me to believe that in the 70s, a black man wrote a song and then an English white blues guitar player Took the song.
2: Yeah, how about it?
1: Re-recorded it, and then made a ton of money off of it, made it a hit. And this wasn't Led Zeppelin, and this wasn't the Beatles, and this wasn't every other classic rock legend, but yet another one. (laughs) Yeah. I don't believe it. That just sounds crazy to me. Stunning. Crazy to me.
0: You know what you know what always drove me nuts about this? I sucks. I've said it a million times. My my sister had the Bob Marley Legend album growing up, one of the first albums i remember hearing as a kid that and the sublime album playing out of my sister's room in 1990 which is funny
1: because that's literally two of the first cds i remember you like having and being conscious of we became friends when we were like 15 or 16 i love that bob marley legend album it's amazing greatest hits Um, tough to beat his version of i shot the sheriff is better of course than
0: clapton's version it's like a not and i'm not shitting on Clapton. i got Clapton songs i like yeah yeah but it just from a composure song. like The song's got more singers in it. It's got good backup mm-hmm. stuff. It's like funkier. I'm a bass player, so I'll always take the reggae yeah, over oh, a man. lot of things. Um, this uh, The the history I had for this was mostly about songs that were about crime. Uh, mm. But instead, I pulled up a list here. Uh, these are a list from HuffPo of covers, 20 cover songs that are more famous than their original versions. Oh, okay. I know a couple of these. Uh, number one, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor, which was originally mm-hmm. by Prince and the Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Number two, All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, originally by Bob Dylan. I think, I don't, I like the Hendrix version better. It's cool Because it's way better. It's way better. Even Bob Dylan said it's better. Uh, I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett, which I didn't know was a cover, from a band called The Arrows. Ooh, I would be glad if I never heard either of those again. Hound Dog by Elvis Presley. Hey, he stole that from someone named Big Mama Thornton. Same I bet you Big Mama Thornton was not a white lady. I bet you she wasn't. Uh, number five, Tainted Love by Soft Cell, originally recorded by Gloria Jones, soul I might singer. Might take the same bet on her, too. Yeah, 1964, soul singer Gloria Jones. Uh, Cocaine by Eric Clapton. He's back, folks. <laughs> uh... Written and recorded by Tulsa sound musician JJ Kale in 1976. Hey, look at that. Hey. Bet
1: he wasn't a white guy either. <laughs> Clapton. You ever heard Clapton's views on race, too? Fuck Eric Clapton, <laughs> by the way. If anybody, like, like, fuck, fuck Eric Clapton. Like, I'm going to uh, say fuck a lot of the yeah. podcast just because Eric Clapton's that gross of a person. <laughs> number seven. True. And overrated as a guitar player, too. Like, he's good, but chill.
0: Uh, I'll go to number at eight. Me.
1: Number eight. I fought the law by the clash.
0: Originally performed by the Crickets. Buddy Holly. I think that's Buddy. Sonny Curtis, 1958. I don't know about the crickets. I don't know much about the crickets. Was uh, that not Buddy Holly? It's not Buddy Holly. Huh. It's not. Uh, number nine, Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, originally by Leonard Cohen. Here's uh-huh. a song I could probably never hear again.
1: Uh, Here's it's... the. Okay, how about this? I'll, I'll, we can meet halfway. If I have to hear this song again, please give me the Leonard Cohen version. Yeah. yeah I don't need that's the fine. Jeff Buckley or the whatever Twee idiot from Glee is doing yep. a cover this week. Yep. Right? Give me the Leonard. If, if you're yeah. gonna get weird, give me the original. Number 10, uh, Blinded by the Light by Manfred
0: Mann's Earth Band, originally by Bruce Springsteen. So if you did think this song sounded like a Bruce Springsteen song in the past, it did oh, was. that's funny.
1: I didn't know that was a Bruce Springsteen song.
0: Well, yeah, because if you listen to Bruce Springsteen song, he doesn't say rolled up like a douche or whatever it sounds like they're saying. Yeah, yeah, on douche. Yeah, like douche. Yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't sound right. Well, because Manfred Mann Earth Band is not English. They're from somewhere else. They're like foreign guys. Sure. Uh, number 11, It's My Life by No Doubt, originally by Talk Talk. I mean, I didn't like this song when they released it, so. Uh, there She Goes by Sixpence and None the Richer. Apparently that's a cover song. I didn't know that. Huh? Cover yeah. of who? Uh, a British singer and guitarist, Lee Mavers, and recorded by the band The Loss in 1988. Mm. Uh, the Man Who Sold the World by Nirvana was originally David Bowie, but I think you know, most people know that. Mm-hmm. Respect by Aretha Franklin was originally an Otis Redding song that he recorded in 1965. Mm, I didn't know that. Me and Bobby McGee by Janis Joplin, originally by Chris Kristofferson in 1971. Mm-hmm. No, 69. Pardon me. Downtown Train by Rod Stewart. Is that a song? I don't know the name. But I, I do I have to ask your buddy. And originally by Tom Waits. Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Cyndi Lauper, originally by Robert Hazard. Uh, and Istanbul, not Constantinople, by They Might Be Giants, originally by the Four Lads. God, that's a, that's really... A, oh, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, originally by Dolly Parton. But most people know that already. Mm, yeah, that's, a lot of people do, for yeah. sure. All right, there you go. That's our top 20 songs that were better <laughs> as cover songs than they were as originals, or popular mm-hmm. as they were as originals. All right, you ready to move on to our last section here? Yeah, hit me. Hit me with what you got. All right. Uh, I mean, really, we don't have to get too much into this, but for folks who are on unemployment, that $300 unemployment payments are starting this week. So if mm. you are uh, receiving... If you need, some folks really need that help out there. So I'm sure that's welcome news. A lot of people for a a lot of folks out there. A lot of people
1: really, really need that help.
0: Uh, This only goes back three weeks. They're saying that it only goes back through August
1: 2nd, 9th, and 16th. And then they're going to continue to pay. So it's going to come. So the backdating that they're going to do is going to come in chunks. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is just kind of like weird red tapey appropriation stuff.
0: Uh, Okay, so. Let's talk about this for a second. What do you know about QAnon? We don't have to get too far oh, into QAnon. Uh, but did you read that the, there was a QAnon website? Yeah, I, know, I, know, sh- I know everything. I know everything. <laughs> there's a QAnon website. The owner got shut down today. So if you're curious, uh, the guy's name was Jason something. He's the QAnon guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. QAnon's scary, especially now that uh, there's a QAnon. The Democratic challenger to the QAnon-believing Georgia candidate for U.S. Senate dropped out. So essentially, this QAnon subscriber is
1: going to have an open route. Into It's crazy. The US it's, House. Oh man! It's it's just it's, it's like when this I remember when this stuff started popping up like three three and a half years ago, and it was mostly relegated to like you know the the fourchan corners of the internet and like the bottom of like Reddit and some stuff like that. And just to watch it take hold amongst um amongst quite frankly a lot of the same people i saw sharing bullshit about yep. uh fucking cuomo's Boston rochester killers or whatever mm-hmm. um amongst the same people and the fact that the amount of people you're seeing take this stuff seriously and gloss right over it is is scary and disheartening um and we know that people are a lot more easy a lot more susceptible to latch on conspiracy theories when they mm-hmm. feel scared and helpless about the state of the world right but it's just it's scary to see, and I think also again, um, this is a classic case of projection mm. on the part of a lot of yeah. a lot of folks. Up food chain, right? So it's it's terrible, and it's something like you've got to talk about, and you've got to call out, and you've got to see it. But I also, I hate to give it uh, yeah. oxygen. I really do. Uh,
0: Marjorie Taylor Greene, notorious for her remarks about minorities and ethnic groups, uh, particularly against the "quote unquote" Islamic invasion she believes is coming. So mm-hmm. there you go; that's where yeah. her her heads at. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's something a little bit lighter. So, I just have a question for you. You don't have to get too far into this. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, the famous mm-hmm. actor, comedian, uh, impersonation, what would you call him? He's sort of like a chameleon. He can do all sorts of stuff. Uh, I guess he's an actor. He apparently filmed a Borat sequel
1: mm-hmm. in secret. Bro. Yeah. Go ahead. my question for you is this probably, that's why I stopped because it's probably my same question go how ahead. at this go point ahead. in time how could uh,
0: you be Borat him. in secret it's
1: such a character that is who still I mean I, I guess to be fair that movie came out a long time ago and if yes. you're some like baby boomer in your 60s and don't really remember, I, I guess but man
0: well from what I've read uh, this is from Collider so take what you will on that it's a news source for entertainment the movie may actually go into a meta direction to address the fact that you can't dress up like Borat and be caught with this anymore. Like, the movie might make that part of the narrative, right? In some mm. way. Which, I don't know if that leads to a lot more comedy. Mm. Is is Borat still funny? Yes.
1: He's yeah. <laughs> still funny, right? Like, oh my I, God, yeah. I've yet? watched it in years. Sacha Baron Cohen is, yeah. Every, it's been a everything really long he does, time. Yeah, it's just, it's somebody who's so much more, like, thoughtful and, and kind of provocative and just comes from a different angle. I love, um, you know, I love people who are outside the box with stuff like this, and I like people who are kind of thinking of a different angle. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I haven't watched it a long time either, but I guarantee... If we stop recording this and we were to go put on Borat and watch it right now, I bet we would laugh our asses off. Yes. I, I just might. Uh, and here's our comeback. Bruno from... was really funny, too. I haven't seen Bruno. Bruno, well, Bruno is tough for people because, like, you got you definitely got to be comfortable oh. enough to, like, see dicks. Yeah. And a lot of guys <laughs> are still working through, they're like, oh, if I look at a dick in a movie, does it mean I'm gay? You know, uh, so there's a lot of guys still working through that toxic stuff. must be a tough world. Uh I... <laughs> Uh, All right, I see this headline. You must be so excited. Little fashion, you must be so excited. Little fashion check in this week. Fashion corner.
0: This is from Vox this week in the fashion corner. corner. Uh, With it, sweater vests apparently making a return. The cozy, nostalgic (laughs) sweater is easy to wear, but a fun challenge to style. Kevin, if you were wearing a sweater vest right now, how would you have to doctor it up to wear it in public?
1: Um to you I mean you I would have to be a blazer over it? Uh, a, a blazer over it is a big help because that way people don't know it's a sweater vest. Yeah. Um also if I was in incredible shape, you like if I yes. had yeah. the body of an NBA player or like a pro wrestler or something, you look pretty good. You know what I mean? You could find a way Uh, maybe if it had buttons and you were going for something a little more androgynous (laughs) and cottage core, you could slide in there. (laughs) But like, definitely to just throw the argyle sweater vest over the untucked oversized striped button down, not super doable right now. But it seems like it's coming back. I feel like for me at this point in time, I I was in on sweater
0: vest for sure, a thousand percent.
1: Well, you especially as like you know, like academic, like professor, teacher, Mm -hmm. guy thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd be
0: more willing to wear a non patterned sweater vest. Certainly. S- than I would with like an Argyle sweater uh, vest these days. You think, you think you've think you used up all your Argyle days? I think those days are, <laughs> really, 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 I think those days are past us by. Uh,. I think though my problem is at this age I can't help but think I would just look like Doug Funny with like a white t shirt under a, a under a sweater vest and shorts. And white m- t
1: shirt is a tough look. Under, t- tough under the vest. and as somebody who's got like some tough adolescent photos of a white oversized Nike t shirt under a sweater vest, yeah, it's a tough look. Yeah. Uh, all right, bit some other blocks. The warmth though, oh, I know a lot of guys who wear like the zip up like tech vest style, right? even the bubble now, vest. that I could get back that, into that's international. It's some funny to laugh about it in within the industry, but that's international beer guy like if you're uh, a beer salesman or you work for a distributor or you're somebody like that because those guys are always usually like you know they got a khakis and shirt on but those dudes love attack fast zip on zip off you're in and out of the car not always hot enough for a jacket but you're in places it's time for my,
0: my my two red and blue uh Flannel. Oh, like the bubbly. The, the those are about, those are coming yeah. back sooner than later. It's getting cool I do love those. I was looking at them last week. The and red and the blue. Mm, one on coming. Monday. One on Friday. It's coming. Uh, all right. Uh, bits from other mailbags this week. Uh, Kevin, who's your current least favorite person on social media? I have
1: three that are driving me nuts right now. Hmm. Um. Uh, Boy, I, that's a loaded question because all three of them are just, like, people I know personally. <laughs> These are not people I know personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, pe- people I know personally for uh, the most part. Okay. Uh,
0: so I had three. Uh, Charlie Kirk, who mm-hmm. I've really grown to hate uh, a lot on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Woods, who remains my number one, I think, least favorite mm-hmm. person. And then Tommy Loren, who I always hate, but I have enjoyed a lot of the memes that she's now... Dating former professional football player Jay Cutler, who I also mm. hate, and I've liked watching people dunk on her. So that one hasn't mm. been quite as bad normally. But those are my three for my least favorite people on social media mm. currently at this particular moment. That's fair. uh That's all I got, Kev, today. Uh, do you want to do some Spotify stuff before we leave? We didn't talk Spotify last week.
1: I, we, we... Yeah, we didn't. We forgot. We, um, so <laughs> I was so ready to be week, done. <laughs> it was funny because I know we were talking about it. Um, I had a song that I was thinking of yesterday that was going to be perfect that I couldn't wait to put on the list. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be very, very relevant to like the, the, the great, great losses we suffered at the hands of, of Antifa over the That's weekend. true. That's true. Um, but I can't remember what it was now. and It's driving me nuts. <laughs> but the other song I was going to put on, it's a new song um, that we added into the band and we played it out this past weekend. Um, we played our first public show since February. We had like a nice yeah. socially distant, like chill sit-down thing. Um, but the song "Out of Touch" by Holland Oates—we just added that to the list, mm-hmm. and I kind of forgot about that as a Holland Oates mm-hmm. song. So I'm definitely putting that one on there. Um,
0: That's a good one. I yeah, like so that one.
1: one's going on there. And I haven't decided otherwise. Mm-hmm. I'll decide, and then you know I can defend my picks. Talk about it on Twitter. I, I got suppose. two. I got two this week. I
2: got oh, I got I got mine up there
0: ready, but I'll go with two. One is "Rush Rush" by Debbie Harry from the Scarface mm. soundtrack because we got into conversation about Scarface earlier this week, <clears> and I can't <throat> stop thinking about it. And then the other one is "Space Invader" by The Pretenders from mm. who knows when. It's an older song. Mm-hmm. I just heard them talking about it on the Sopranos podcast this week because it's in mm. an episode of Sopranos, and I can't stop thinking about I it. I
1: started. I uh, I don't think I don't think I told you, but I'll tell you on the air, and then all the rest of the people can hear it too. I started. I found a, an account on Twitter that's like I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's like out of context soprano screen caps. <gasps> It's a, it's incredible. And I looked at it, the first thing I looked at is people I know that are following it and you weren't. And I was like, oh boy, this oh, is for him. him. All
0: right. So that's it, folks. Sayonara, Humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Follow Kevin at uh, underscore Kevin Sullivan. You follow me, SF Doom. Follow Heather at HeatherWaz1. We hope she's doing all right. Mm. Uh, that's it. CyanR Humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We'll the vipers.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: we are desperately out of time. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next
1: week as long as we don't get Burn to the ground in the interim, as long as they. I can't believe that I didn't see. Maybe I just was missing it, but I didn't see anybody using the screen cap of Dwight and Jim and Michael saying we're going to burn you to the ground.
0: No, I, got I didn't see any of that over the
1: weekend. Stunning, because like, you know what it was? It's it's one of those. It's been overused for dumb stuff, yeah. and now that like it would Perfect be moment. the most relevant time to drop that, it's a little overworked. Well, little I think a lot overworked. of
0: people wasted it on Charleston. Charleston ball.
1: Yeah. yeah, a little bit. <laughs> asking questions just asking just ask questions you know oh what I mean we're just asking questions I'm just, we're, just we're just saying it's better safe than sorry is all uh, sign uh, argument Craig's list just keep it tight Craig, Craig is coming Craig Craig Craig